This Facts and O'Brien podcast is brought to you by Gary Thomas and the Wealth Technology Group in Westfield. Where it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 536 in Dire Straits in Rock 102. Well, it's going to be a little bit warm today. We're talking about uh, clouds in the morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Showers in the afternoon. Maybe some sunshine here and there. But also humid with a high of 85. Nah, it's all right. Yep. Well, that's what it's going to be. Where's the? Uh, when's this fall stuff supposed to start? Uh, probably at the beginning of fall, which we are still uh, six days away from. Can't come soon enough. I need. Uh, I need leaves falling. I need pumpkin spice. Everything. Those are the things I'm going to need. I'm going to need a, a light sweater. I don't need none of that. Can't wait. Oh, man, what a show today. It's so jam-packed with stuff, I hardly know where to begin. How about we begin right now? Um, can we wait an hour? Sure, I'm easy. Yeah, uh, I, I can be convinced. All right. Just about 537 or Rock 102. Save yourself 30% on the still. Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 552 and The Who on Rock 102. Going to be cloudy with a chance of showers today, but warm. Uh, A high of 85 and also humid. It is uh, 60, it's 70 degrees in downtown Springfield. Hey, what do you say we hop right into some Hollywood trash with John O'Brien filling in for Steve Dingle on Rock 102? Yes, yes I am. Uh, you've heard by now, comedian Norm MacDonald, former writer on Saturday Night Live and performer, as well as Weekend Update host, has died. Uh, his death announced yesterday by his management team. He was 61 years old and battling cancer for the last nine years, but kept it private. I gotta tell you, when I heard those two things yesterday, it really kind of hit me. Kept it private? No, the 61 years old and battling it for nine years. Um, it's exactly where I'm at. And it just uh, it, it just makes you think. He has kept it private. They're not saying what form of cancer he had. Um, he left the show. He was a writer-performer in the 90s, a host of Weekend Update. He left the show in 1998, starred in a sitcom for three years, was a stand-up comedian, born and raised in Canada, worked briefly as a writer uh, on Roseanne, and fellow comedians and many others are paying tribute to Norm. Uh, Conan O'Brien said, McDonald had the most unique comedic voice I've ever encountered. That was the single coolest thing that I thought about him. Which his, his voice was just, it was not just the 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 timber or, or the, it's the, it was the sound, but the delivery. The delivery. Yeah. I mean, just hysterical so we uh we attempted to interview him twice one time we actually got to talk to him the other time he was in no shape to be talking to anybody no and it wasn't because he was sick well i mean he may have been sick soon afterwards Mm -hmm. but uh not sick uh during the interview it lasted uh mere seconds yeah but he he um, may have been drinking a little bit maybe but we did get one interview out of the guy and it was uh you know Norm McDonald for crying out loud. I mean, the last time I I saw anything about him, he, like so many others, he had a podcast. And I remember uh, 
not not listening to the podcast, but going on YouTube and just seeing clips of things that he was doing at home. Um, let's see. Jim Carrey called him an honest and courageous comedy genius. Uh, Sarah Silverman said he was one of a kind on the planet. Uh, the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, called him a comic genius and a great Canadian. And he even received uh, praise as a great talent from uh, Bob Dole, who he used to play on Saturday Night Live all the time. Um, is, is Bob Dole still alive? No, I believe, yeah, I was gonna believe say. Uh, Bob Dole has passed. But um, I tell you, the, the single funniest thing is is the... Um, Bob Saget roast? Yes. yes. I couldn't remember whose roast. I thought it was John Stamos. No, no Bob Saget. It, it was... Uh, Stamos was the host. That's right. But Bob okay. Saget was the uh, was the uh, the honoree. Yeah. And if you remember, uh, I know you do, but everybody else, uh, Norm went up and told the oldest, most unfunny jokes one after another. Read off of file cards <laughs> that he had in front of him. You know, the kind of jokes <laughs> that were written in the 30s. Yeah. That yeah. were probably not that funny back then. And even, even more not funny now. But it wound up being hilarious because... Not, I mean, unfazed, just went through yeah. the entire litany of jokes. Yeah, just no matter no matter how badly, and, and people were cracking up. But again, it was because of his delivery, his his speech patterns, and and the the jokes were hysterical <laughs> because of the way he told them. Well, the the uh, the brave part about it is, you know, comedians. You know, there's nothing worse than just eating it on stage. Yeah. And he intentionally did it yep. for Bob Saget, who was one of his closest friends. Absolutely hilarious. It's hilarious. If, if there's only one thing you look up on YouTube, uh, check that out. Just hours before the HBO documentary Jagged was set to premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival yesterday, Alanis Morissette criticized the film about her life as reductive and salacious. Oof. Those are, uh, Those are the two things pretty, I like the most. Pretty, pretty big words. I like reductions and I like salaciousness. She participated in the film, sitting for lengthy interviews, but in a statement issued by her publicist, she said she will not be supporting the film, which is timed to the anniversary of her breakthrough album, Jagged Little Pill. She didn't specify her issues with the documentary that premieres November 19th, but... Its most sensitive material includes her discussing sexual encounters when she was 15, which she calls uh, statutory rape. So, a uh, big documentary she participated in, but doesn't apparently doesn't like the final product. And, you know, that's one of the problems of, uh, of allowing somebody to do one of those. That's things. why if you're going to be the subject of a documentary, you want to be as involved in it as you possibly can to yeah. make sure they're doing it right. An attorney for Marilyn Manson says a videographer who accuses the musician of spitting and blowing his nose on her during a concert consented to being exposed to bodily fluids. All right, really, is that the worst thing this guy has ever done? I don't uh, think so. Who consents to this? In court documents made public Tuesday, an attorney argues Manson's concerts have included shocking antics for years, and the videographer consented to exposing herself to sweat, saliva, and phlegm. Do uh, do artists like Marilyn Manson provide a waiver for uh, videographers to sign that uh, you will agree to be I, the target of snot rockets throughout I, the entire show? I don't know. Don't believe so. Uh, 
Normally, I wouldn't think so, no. I don't know if, uh, if there's a single performer in America that I would sign a waiver for, for that kind of thing. Uh, let me think. I prefer to have, uh, like a snot-free night. Yeah, no, I can't think of anyone that I would either. Uh, NBC owes Tom Brady a thank you note. The ageless Tampa Bay Bucks quarterback led a charge in the annual kickoff game on Thursday that reached 24.8 million viewers last uh, Thursday. That represented a healthy increase from the 2020 season opener, which Nielsen said was seen by 19.3 million viewers. Given the general trend in television, any event that grows from year to year is considered a success. They're saying that week one showed a 7% increase from last season. Yeah. Not just yeah. not just the uh, the Tampa game, but all games. The season debut of Sunday Night Football was less successful. That reached only 17.6 million, which was down from 2020. I just want to point out, I don't know why they're doing this. I can't stand it. But uh, NBC Nightly News at 6.30 has changed their uh, their package, I guess. You know, the, the, the colors are different. The mm-hmm. font is different. Uh, the stage setting that, that Lester Holt uh, stands in is different. And every single story in the first act, up until the first set of commercials, every single story is called Breaking News. Even if it's already broke? Yes, well broke. And you know what? When everything is breaking news, then nothing is breaking news. That's the way I look at it. Breaking news is news that's happening as you speak, Mm -hmm. as opposed to uh, this morning at uh, 4 o'clock a.m. Right. uh, Where you have a prepackaged piece to present. That's not not breaking news. That's Hollywood trash at Rock 102. And now... Vax's View from the Couch, brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware, Benjamin Moore Paint, Cabot Stains, plus rock-solid painting advice and expertise. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you? As many of you know, being a football fan sometimes requires a great deal of sacrifice. Depending on the team you follow, you could be saddled with watching your best players play like straight-up garbage after taking an entire offseason to become a game show host. Or you could watch your team rip through four straight losing seasons. I'm sure many of you Giant fans can relate to something like that. But when you're a fan of the Buffalo Bills and you're just getting good again after 20 years of constant disappointment, the last thing you want is to be told you can't come in. Yesterday, the Buffalo Bills became the fourth team in the NFL to require all fans ages 12 and up to be vaccinated before entering Highmark Stadium this season. The Bills now join the Saints, the Seahawks, and the Raiders as the only teams in the NFL that will require you, the ticket-paying fan, to produce their vaccination cards before entry. Not photocopies, the actual card itself. If you've taken a picture of the card on your phone, that won't be good enough no matter how long it took you to paint the Bills logo on your chest. You're just not getting in. Now, in Seattle and New Orleans, they'll let you in if you can prove a recent negative test. But in Buffalo, that's not going to be good enough. You need the card. Now, I'm a guy that lost a valid passport and couldn't find it for a good six years. How am I supposed to keep a vaccination card in good shape after a season full of tailgate parties, $12 beers, and countless trips to the bathroom? How am I expected to take care of that card when I can barely take care of my liver or any of my other important obligations? The fact is the Buffalo Bills aren't giving you a choice. Of course, you could always sit around at home and watch the game on TV like everybody else without having to prove anything to anybody. But if you want to show up, you got to play by the rules. And the rules state that if you want to support the team, 
you got to get your shots. Otherwise, you'll be sitting in a parking lot for the next three hours feeling like a moron with a high risk of infection. And frankly, as a Bills fan, I think you people have suffered long enough. But hey, an FMI Yappin' Sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Take care of your tools. Get a Craftsman 5-drawer rolling toolbox on sale at Rocky's for just $160 and get a 63-piece Craftsman Mechanic tool set free. Step up your tool game right now at your neighborhood Rocky's Ace Hardware. I'm back. That's my view from the couch. Rock 102 Springfield's Classic Rock at 615 and a white snake. On Rock 102. Cloudy today, afternoon showers, going to be warm and muggy with a high of 85. It is 70 in downtown Springfield. 22 News just doing a, a story on Norm McDonald. Obviously, it was the package that NBC News provided, but uh, it showed uh, Norm sitting on the couch with Jimmy Fallon reading uh, a book that had a white cover on it with a handwritten title. Uh, the sequel to my first book by Norm Macdonald. <laughs> uh, a few years ago, we interviewed Norm Macdonald, and uh, we we had two chances. One, he was in no shape to be talking to uh, to anybody that early in the morning. No, even himself. Even himself. And I think he went to bed immediately following when we said, "Hey, Norm, why don't you get some rest?" And that, and we never aired that because we both had too much respect for Norm Macdonald. To uh, to put him in a bad light, but mm-hmm. this is the interview we did run uh, a couple years after that. It's uh, Norm McDonald on Rock 102. Good morning, Norm. How are you? All right. How are you, man? Good. Very good. You uh, can- you're coming to uh, you're coming to the area for the first time in uh, in quite a while. Gonna be and then uh, yeah. also, also in Boston too. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, Norm, it, it hasn't been that long because you were at the Hooky Lau a few months ago, and I was there. I know. I, I, I've I been going to correct you. Uh, that's all right. I don't mind the correction. <laughs> I've been to a lot of shows at the Hooky Lau. I went to that one. I don't think I stopped laughing from the time you got on stage until the time you finished. Oh, that's cool. It was a funny show. Ah, uh, thanks, man. Yeah, that that was some good stuff. Now you're going to be uh, in a uh, you're going to be in a, in a new movie that's coming out uh, this summer called Grown Ups. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh yeah, that was a movie that we uh, shot in Boston. Actually, um, it's a Sandler movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's uh, it was cool because it was all the guys from uh, SNL that were the that were at the time of Sandler. So it was uh, Chris Rock and Spade and Schneider and uh, and different people, Colin Quinn and stuff. So it was like uh, he was doing it as a reunion, a movie about a reunion, but it was sort of like a reunion too. It's really cool to see all those guys. Actually, it's funny you reminded me because um, and I, you know, I already told you what a great show it was at the Hooky Lounge. I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ass, but I do think that you were probably the best newsreader on Saturday Night Live ever. Ah, oh, thanks. <laughs> it was for a very short period, though, right? Yeah, it was about uh, a year and a half. Yeah, um, a year and and uh, exactly a half. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when you when you had that that weekend update role, and I know there was a lot of pressure on you from the producers of uh, of the show and also of NBC, how much pressure was there really on you, especially about that all the O.J. Simpson stuff you had done? Uh, there was a lot of pressure not to do uh, jokes about, uh, particularly O.J. and Michael Jackson, um, and I, I I didn't care. The only thing I wouldn't do jokes about were um, Muslims. Because mm-hmm. I was afraid of, because uh, there was a fatwa on, uh, on Salman Rushdie at the time. Uh-huh. That's, that's 
that's all I was worried about. But I remember, like, Lauren Michaels would go, like, you don't want, uh, you know, you don't want Michael Jackson to sue you. And I was like, no, that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, being sued by Michael Jackson would be awesome. And why did they not yeah, want yeah. you to do OJ jokes? Um, well, for the same reason, you know, he thought it was like, um, you know, it was just a, a legend uh, that he'd done these things. And, uh, and that the only thing he was guilty of was being the best running back of all time. <laughs> Killing the waiter. <laughs> Killing the waiter. <laughs> you know, before, just before we called you, um, we watched the, the Bob Saget roast again uh, on the Internet. <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah, that was just... Uh... I decided to do that day because they wanted to. I don't really know how to roast people, mm -hmm. and uh, they kept pestering me to do it. And then um, Saga kept asking, so I'm like, all right. And then I had this book of uh, uh, a book that my dad had given me of jokes that you could tell at a guy's retirement party. <laughs> <laughs> so I just got them all out of this crazy book my dad gave me. And you just came up with the idea that day. Yeah, that morning, because I had no jokes for it. <laughs> and I didn't really want to insult these people I barely knew, you know? Right, right. But on the other hand, I mean, you know, it was probably the funniest thing. I mean, short of Cloris Leachman, who was great in that show, that was probably the biggest highlight of the whole of the whole damn road. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was fun to do, because... Uh, uh, while I was doing, everyone hated me in the crowd, and I just fixated on that. <laughs> Alan Thick was scowling at me from the first row the entire time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever had Alan Thick scowl at you for eleven straight minutes, but <laughs> it's kind of fun. <laughs> so while some people would be intimidated by that stuff, you actually live off of it. Uh, yeah, I, I sort of, it's sort of fun for me sometimes when it's a little awkward. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't just the jokes. Even if you came up with it just that day, I, the delivery, I think, is, is, is was that what you were thinking when you were thinking, well, I'll just grab this book my dad gave me and I'll deliver them in a way that makes people uncomfortable? Yeah, I was, try, I was, trying, to, uh, I was trying to do bad uh, jokes with a... With a um, delivery as if they were great jokes, kind of, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then sort of not understanding why I was, uh, or not uh, noticing that I was bombing. Kind of, you know? <laughs> Just because I thought I always kind of think like I would like what I'd like to see on TV. Like I always like those kind of things where it's just weird on TV. So yeah. it wasn't for the, wasn't for the people in the room as much as for people watching the people in the room. <laughs> so it, it, to me, it, might, it reminded me of like, you know, Andy Coffin, you know, years ago where he, you know, the first half of his act, it would be awful, just painful. And by the end of it, he had people standing up with, with, with an ovation. It was, it was like, it started off so bad, but that ended so beautifully. Yeah, yeah, he's the best, of course, of everybody at that. Yeah, but I just uh, the 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 whole the the joke about the well, you know, people wanting to, to kill <laughs> to you, murder you in a well. In a well. <laughs> 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 to say, well, that's that's what it says here on the card, as if, <laughs> as if you can't defy what's written on a card. <laughs> <laughs> 
was also because like everybody was getting jokes from writers, which I thought was weird <laughs> um, at the roast. You know, I thought they would come up with their own jokes. So uh, that's when I got the idea of putting them all on cars. <laughs> <laughs> now, was because the f- everyone else, everyone else was reading them off a teleprompter. Oh, I see. Okay, <laughs> but you just wanted to point out everybody's reading them. It's just you've got the cards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, fi- the video is like five minutes and 23 seconds. Were you actually on for longer than that, and they edited it? Yeah, I was on for about oh, 14 minutes, I think. But uh, at first, they weren't going to uh, show it at all. And then someone somehow leaked it or something. And then uh, people watched it on the Internet, and then they put it on afterwards. Oh, really? No kidding. They were originally just going to throw it away. Well, is there somewhere to find those other nine? Would the other nine minutes the same thing? I don't know where they are. They're, they're in Comedy Central somewhere. <laughs> but, but that's what the the whole 14 minutes was exactly like that? Yeah. Oh, God, I'd love to see that. <laughs> Norm, it's great to talk to you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was fun, man. Thanks, Norm, and good luck with the show. Yeah, go Bruins. <laughs> <laughs> Norm McDonald with Bax and O'Brien of Rock 102. Bax and O'Brien. On Springfield. It's 628 with Bax and O'Brien of Rock 102. Tomorrow on the show, Scott Zolak, former Patriots quarterback and now a radio broadcaster, will be joining us uh, after 8 o'clock tomorrow to talk about the Patriots taking on the Jets this weekend. It's all brought to you by the Leah Auto Group here on Rock 102. Speaking of uh, radio broadcasters, saw in uh, the Drudge Report this morning, the fifth conservative radio talk show host who uh, spent most of their time on the air uh, trashing the vaccine has now died of COVID in six days. Which guy, which, uh, guy is this? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't remember now. I saw the uh, article earlier. He's not, uh, it's not a name I remember uh, or recognized even mm. for that matter. But um, that that's only because I was so busy uh, looking at other kind of strange uh, headlines. Such as? Horrifying tale of prostitute orangutan who was chained to a bed, shaved daily, and forced to perform sex acts on men. Now, apparently these men at an oil farm in Borneo had their choice between a hooker and an orangutan. Uh Uh-huh. And apparently, I don't know if it was based on price or uh, availability, but uh, many men apparently were going for the orangutan. All right. Uh, It would have to be real bargain basement type of clearance sale prices. Well, it does give the price, but it gives it in their form of uh, of, of money. Can we do the Borneo conversion or Uh, uh, or not really? Jeez, I don't even know. Um, but yeah, uh, this, uh, this thing, apparently it's entire body was shaved every other day, which left the skin, uh, covered in sores, which then made it prone to mosquitoes. So you got to think that while you're, you know, you paid and now you're with the orangutan, you got to deal with mosquitoes too. So, uh, the lesson learned here is if you're ever in Borneo with a few dollars in your pocket, mm-hmm. stay by yourself. Yeah, it's a yeah. good place to socially distance. Find uh, find another way to uh, yeah yeah do it do it yourself. It's yeah. a real do it yourself type of country. They'd pay a couple of quid. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know what a quid is. I don't know, but uh, I think it's cheap. 
I think it's very, very cheap. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> Tell me. Tell me what's fun. It's Bax and O'Brien's joke of the day. Well, it's nice to find a fellow with a keen sense of humor. On Rock 102. Joke of the day brought to you by Gary Rome Hyundai. Get three years complimentary maintenance at Gary Rome Hyundai. Wanting Farms Road in Holyoke, and that's no joke. Oh, my God. That is hilarious. Springfield's classic rock. So... A uh, a wife has just returned from a session with a psychiatrist. A wife. That's right. And she tells her husband that the doctor says she should have intercourse 10 times a month. 10 times? 10 times a month. All and right. the husband says, all right, put me down for three. <laughs> you see, he doesn't want to be he the one to have, have sex with that responsibility. <laughs> but he'll take three. <laughs> <laughs> Booyah! Baxen O'Brien. On Rock 102, Springfield's Clap. 102, it's time for news, and it is brought to you by Villa Napolitana Lobster Fest, September 5th, which already started through the 28th at Villa Napolitana. Filling in for Steve Nagel right now is John O'Brien. Thanks, Max. A federal class action lawsuit over possibly hazardous conditions at the Roderick Ireland Courthouse in Springfield was voluntarily withdrawn yesterday afternoon as the parties agreed to merge the federal complaint with the similar lawsuit at the state level. In a brief Zoom conference, Judge William Smith of the District Court of Rhode Island agreed to dismiss the federal case and allow it to be combined with the lawsuit already underway in Worcester Superior Court. The judge said he reviewed the Superior Court lawsuit and noted similarities with the federal complaint and believed that combining them simply made sense. Uh, Attorney Laura Mangini from Alekman and Detusa, who represents the plaintiffs in both the federal and superior court cases, says she pitched the idea of combining the two cases for efficiency reasons. The two cases are similar, similar, each named the same defendants, that being the trial court and the Division of Capital Asset Management, and each filed by long-term courthouse personnel. I'm a little confused as to why Laura Mangini representing both plaintiffs in the federal and superior court case who says she pitched the idea of combining the two cases didn't do this from the beginning. Well, I don't know the the answer to that. I do know, though, that she talks or she works with lawyers that you can talk to. Yeah, well, I'd like to talk to somebody and see why that or how that happened. The superior court case <clears throat> was filed by the Hamden County Register of Deeds, Cheryl Coakley Rivera, the federal case was filed by two court officers. On Monday, the Worcester judge denied the emergency motion to shut the building down because of mold, and that suit does continue. However, the judge in Rhode Island said he was aware of the Worcester judge's ruling and was not willing to overturn it and order the building closed. And that means what now? It means now it's just a lawsuit. It, 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 it's just a lawsuit, which and basically means uh, slow it down, back it up, beep, 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 <coughs> beep, 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 uh, whatever. Uh, the uh, is that is that actual legal jargon? No, I, mean, I, didn't, was, I didn't go to law school. That was me uh, paraphrasing. Uh, Mangini said that once the judge in Rhode Island made his announcement, the uh, the issue of urgency was put on hold and then it only made sense to consolidate the two cases. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Once the urgency uh 
disappeared because the judge ruled against closing the courthouse down immediately, then it just becomes a lawsuit. And I can't tell you how backed up those are from the pandemic. Uh, She said she hopes the combined cases will be ready to proceed in one to two months. She's hoping to have an independent team review the environmental conditions at the courthouse, yada, yada, yada. So uh, good luck now seeing anything get done too quickly. But on the other hand, and I never understood this, this is kind of like when Amherst denounced the Iraq war. Uh, West Springfield Town Councilor Sean Powers has drafted a resolution urging the trial court and the state legislature to address the health concerns surrounding the building. Powers says it's in the best interest of both courthouse employees and Mm. the community at large that the courthouse remain closed until it could be made safe. The resolution itself is calling for the complete destruction of the courthouse. I really hope it raises an eyebrow in Boston, he says, and says, hey, we really need to focus on this. Instead of leaving us off that master plan or that capital budget, maybe they could have some sort of hearing and they can have us back on there and address this issue. This is a uh, little little, little councilman out there in West Springfield. By the way, this is going to be presented to the Springfield Agawam town councils as well in the Mm. coming weeks. You know, yesterday we were uh, saying that we didn't know what was going on with Eastfield Mall, mm. uh, you know, the cinemas being used as courtrooms. Did you see the story uh, yesterday? Apparently, air quality <laughs> testing was done on Tuesday, so yeah. yesterday. And they're hoping to have courtroom activities resume as soon as next week. Oh. So they haven't done anything yet as far as getting this. You know, they've, you know, they've cleaned the place up. Now they're looking at, uh, at air quality to make sure that no one's going to get sick when they're working there. But up until that point... Uh, there's been nothing going on, and won't be until next week. I, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, you know, if you had some real pressing, really important courtroom business to attend to, and you're seeing all these delays because of infrastructure issues, whether it's Eastfield or downtown, uh, you know, some of these people have been waiting a long time to get their cases heard. Yeah. Or, or, you know, not even just cases. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on mm-hmm. in uh, in the courthouse. Yeah, and there's also, there's also all kinds of stuff that's going on virtually, too, but but not enough. And, uh, and it's because of that. But I, I really don't know what West Springfield Town Councilor Sean Powers' resolution does. Uh, I mean, we've all, I, I say we all, but we've had resolutions uh, developed in our behalf, and and it's basically a uh, a framed piece of paper. Yeah, and you know what it's like with a resolution. I mean, you start one off on like December thirtieth, yeah. and you never keep up with it. That's yeah. like you know January fifth. I I I don't get it. I really don't get it. To me, it sounds more just like a like a giant pig pile. Like you know you know everyone's jumping on the uh, the courthouse now, and it's like everyone feels like well I should say something. I'm an elected mm. official, so wow. I'm just gonna hop aboard this big giant uh, pile and uh, I'll get my name on Rock 102 with the Bax and O'Brien show. Maybe I'll even get on the show is what he's saying, which I actually wouldn't mind because I'd like to know what Mr. Powers, uh, what his powers are. Well, you know, there are certain politicians that can't wait to get on this show Mm -hmm. and ask all the time, hey, when can I be on your show? I'm not naming names, but uh, one of them rhymes with Angelo Pupolo. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And my answer has always been, uh, the moment you do something, 
I will have you on the show. Well, I'm curious to know if uh, Mr. Superpowers, uh, is, what, what he's thinking and how it doesn't seem as though he has, uh, and I might be wrong about this, it might just not be in the article, but you would think the entire city council would be, or at least the number of councilors would be behind this as opposed to a single one. But uh, again, what do I know? X-ray vision. If I had a superpower, really uh, have reconsidered X-ray vision. I like mind reading. Mind reading would be good too. Yeah. But if X- I had my own. But X-ray vision allows you to like uh, you know look through walls, look through clothing. Uh, you know, looking pa- looking uh, like FedEx boxes. The clothing part I think would probably well, it would help me lose weight more than likely. Um the city's health commissioner that being Springfield said Tuesday that she is pleased with the results of spot checks at businesses a day after the new mask mandate went into effect. Helen Colton Harris, <coughs> excuse me, told city councilors she hopes the mandate will be effective in counteracting the recent rise in COVID cases and that she and Mayor Sarno hope to avoid further restrictions. The mask mandate requires people to wear masks indoors in municipal buildings and private businesses in Springfield as well as any outdoor gatherings where six-foot distancing cannot be maintained. While she expects that there are some incidents of noncompliance, she said the stores she has checked herself, including three big box stores, had proper signs on display and people seem to be wearing masks inside. See, I don't think you'd have a problem with the big box stores because most of those are all corporately owned and corporate mandates are going to require each individual location to post those signs. But in the small, little, tiny mon-pa operations around town, Mm. they may or may not have those signs. I, you know, for all these stories you hear about or or occasionally even see videos maybe that someone shot in a store of some type of nasty altercation between people for wearing one, you know, and the argument is caused by the person who's not wearing one, I, um, I have not seen... That happened. No one has done that to me. I mean, I wear, I've been wearing my mask indoors all along. Right. And uh, I don't know whether I'm big enough that people don't want to mess with me if they don't know who I am, but I haven't witnessed it between other people either. I, I don't know whether the Northeast is I think, uh, I think that more is, cooperative or what. I think they're clearly more cooperative. I mean, you look at the just the vaccination numbers in Massachusetts as you know, compared to other parts of the country. Yeah. I think you're more likely to see those kinds of incidents, you know, in you know in the, the South. southeast or, 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 or red states, not even not even wet red states, mm-hmm. because, I mean, not every anti-vaxxer is a Republican. Of course not. That's not what I suggested. But I do think the red states have a majority of people who may be anti not anti-vax, but anti-mask. You can still be pro-mask. I mean, uh, pro-vax. And anti-mask. No, I I I agree with that, but I'm just I'm just saying that the, you know I don't think it's necessarily drawn purely on political party lines. I think these there are just some people that are prone to accept certain feelings about these things as being like conspiracy driven. Yeah, um, not heartening, says Colton Harris. However, is the 499 new cases of COVID infections among Springfield residents between September 5th and the 10th. The uh, 7th day being September 11th not recorded because uh, the computer system used for counting infections was out of service for maintenance. Thanks so much for letting us know that. 
Uh, Colton Harris said it's not possible to make an apples-to-apples comparison, however, to last year's August 29th to September 4th, where there were 547 cases, she said, because uh, the numbers continue to go in the wrong direction. Both she and Mayor Sano said they hope to avoid any further mandates limiting activity, and they hope to end this particular mandate in the near future, although it's set to stay until November. Decisions yeah. will depend on new cases. You uh, you mentioned in uh, in sports how the Buffalo Bills are going to re- be requiring fans to prove they've been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. You have to bring your vaccination card. Oh, boy. Physically, the card. Yeah. You can't yeah. take a photocopied. Uh, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't, can't take a picture on your phone. No, they want the card. Now, yeah. try to imagine, if you can, 45,000 drunken Buffalo Bills fans trying to keep their card in good enough shape to use for the entire uh, season. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm a guy that lost his passport for six years. I'm, there's no way I'm keeping that vaccination card in good shape without laminating it. Now, when you got your your uh, your booster, did you did you take your card? Did that get no, filled out? I forgot my card. So they gave me a separate piece of paper that uh, indicates you had the booster, and it goes into the record, obviously, with the card. But I forgot yeah, the but card. But if you ever had to imp- if you ever had to provide the card, yeah. you wouldn't necessarily have to show that you've been boosted. Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. And I and I wonder if uh, in a situation like that in Buffalo, if uh, particularly for season ticket holders. If it's a one-time show and then it goes into a database and then in the future, you know, after after this weekend, every other home game, uh, the the season ticket holders have their own entrance so that they don't have to go with the regular people who have to show their uh, vaccination cards no matter whether it's week it, six or week 12 or what have you. It sounds like no matter what your status is with ticketing. You have to show your card. Yeah, that's that's going to be a bit of a problem, I would think. Well, I mean, if, but if the if the policy is you got to show proof of vaccination, it doesn't. Then you know they're going to make sure that's true of everybody, not oh, yeah. just you know certain you know portions of the audience no. uh, of the of the crowd. I'm just saying, if you want to keep the people moving, so that people might be able to actually be in their seats for the opening kickoff, perhaps uh, the people that you know are going to be there for the eight home games. You can just put their cards in a database and have it there so yeah. that every other home game doesn't get slowed down by that uh, the need. I don't I don't think they're that sophisticated. Yeah. As uh, meanwhile as COVID cases continue to increase across the country and in Massachusetts, many municipalities are implementing mask mandates, but last night the Ludlow Board of Health voted the other way. They voted against against the mask mandate in the town. Many other nearby towns have them in place, so you'll want to keep that mask on hand. Paul Comtois of Ludlow is always masking up no matter where he goes. This is uh, 22 News' uh, script, so you know they're doing an interview with this guy, Comtois. He says, I wear them all the time. I want to protect myself and protect others. When I leave the house, I grab my cell phone and a mask. It's no big deal. And then they go back to the story. The town of Ludlow's Board of Health voted to have a mask to not have a mask mandate, but still strongly encourage people to wear one in all indoor places. Uh, I don't get, I guess I do get it a little bit. If you institute a mask mandate, then you have to have a system in place to enforce it. And if people refuse to wear them, you have to have a way 
to find the people and chase them down to make sure they pay the fine. So I could see where sometimes it might be easier to say, you know what, let's skip the mandate and let's just in- encourage people to wear masks all the time. I, I think if you, I think you're right. If you're going to impose a mandate, you have to expect and you need to be prepared for the moment when someone tries to argue uh, uh, against your mandate in that moment. If mm-hmm. you say, I'm sorry, you can't come in because you're not wearing a mask, you better damn well have a policy in place to make sure that uh, whoever has to keep someone from coming in is protected and that there's another way of making sure they can't come in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you, nobody likes the idea of mandates. Nobody likes them, but... I used to hate women dates. I don't even know if you uh, would get many mandates. I'm just saying that uh, you have to be prepared for the worst case scenarios if mandates are necessary. If you want to go into any public indoor spaces like restaurants, you will need a mask in Northampton, Amherst, Hadley, Granby, Springfield, East Longmeadow, Longmeadow, East Hampton, and Belchertown. Greenfield will begin an indoor mask mandate on Monday. And tonight, the West Springfield Board of Health will hold a hearing to decide whether or not a, an indoor mask mandate will be instituted at the Big E. That will uh, that will happen this evening. So I would say get ready for that. Meanwhile, Massachusetts, according to Wallet Hub, a study by Wallet Hub, Massachusetts was named the 10th happiest state in the country. Even now? Even now. Over the past year and a half, as the pandemic disrupted life as we know it and hurt many people's mental health, four in ten adults reported symptoms of anxiety or uh, depressive disorder. But they looked, uh, WalletHub looked to find factors that are linked to well-being and satisfaction with life, writing that studies Mm. have found good economic, emotional, physical, and social health are all keys to happiness. You know, everyone deals with that kind of isolation uh, you know, differently. You know the the band Faith No More. Ever hear ever hear of them? I've heard of it. They're uh, they were supposed to go on tour like within a couple of weeks. Their their lead singer just backed out to take care of his mental health, uh, allegedly because of the uh, the state he found himself in with all the isolation and quarantines. Apparently, mm-hmm. he's one of these people that took it really psychologically hard, and so they have postponed their their uh their tour yeah but you know but but that's just one guy you know i mean there's all kinds of people that are suffering from you know your mental illness or depression or you know whatever it may be as a result of having to change everything in your life to accommodate a pandemic tell me about it the uh, least happiest states in the country are oklahoma mississippi louisiana arkansas and west virginia uh the 10 happiest Utah, Minnesota, Hawaii, California, North Dakota, and South Dakota, and Idaho, Maryland, New Jersey, and Massachusetts. All of New England is in the top 21. You know, I've uh, I've spent a good deal of my time in the state of Massachusetts. Mm. Doesn't make me any happier being here. No, I've spent most of my life here, uh, and uh, I can definitely tell you, happy it ain't happening. I mean, it's not the source of any discontent no. you know, for me. I mean, you know, I could be unhappy or happy anywhere. But, sure. But uh, I don't, you know, just to say, well, you know, I live in Massachusetts, ergo, I am happier than, yeah. you know, two-thirds of the rest of the country. Doesn't make, that, any, it doesn't make any difference. The uh, Rock 102 Pioneer Valley forecast, we're looking at the possibility of some showers 
this afternoon, but it will be warm and muggy with a high of 85. Tomorrow, cloudy with showers and cooler with a high of 74 right now. Dot com. It's 658 with Bax and O'Brien to Rock 102. Uh, cloudy, chance of showers, very warm and humid today with a high of 85. It is 70 already in downtown Springfield. Uh, I believe Friday we're going to be talking to Joel Hoekster from uh, the Trans-Siberian. That's what I said. From uh, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. At, uh, they're going to be at Mohegan Sun on the 28th of November. Those tickets go on sale on Friday. And so we'll be talking to uh, to Joel sometime Friday morning here on Rock 102. Well, I sure hope between now and November 28th uh, things get better because I wouldn't go i still wouldn't go into an arena an enclosed arena i'm not even sure i'd go into a stadium right now although i do know a bunch of people that are trying to sell their tickets to the patriots bucks game because of covid no because they know they can make a lot of money well that's the that's why i would sell them yeah Yeah, see that's the thing i'd love to go to the game but the people who have the tickets are selling them and and they're you know unaffordable. I'm not I'm not paying the. I heard fifteen hundred dollars. No, no. Yeah. I, I, I and I know these are pretty good seats. Yeah, the better seats are at my house for free. Yeah, that's I know. that's always been uh, the way I feel. That's the thing. It's six fifty nine. A rock one hundred two. Live in concert Saturday nights at nine on Rock one hundred two. Complete concerts from rock and roll's great performers. Brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware, Benjamin Moore Paint. Cabot Stains, plus rock-solid painting advice and expertise. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you? Hey, here's something to chew on. According to sources, the NBA and the Players Union have been spending the last few weeks arguing and bickering about what to do with COVID protocols during the upcoming season, which I should point out begins in exactly 34 days. Now, you might think that a league that has spent time in the bubble kept their players from cavorting around in the outside world, isolated them from their families, all in the name of public safety, would be particularly conscientious about protecting everybody during a sudden fourth wave of COVID infections, right? I mean, overprotection appears to be what the NBA has been all about, and yet according to the same sources, NBA players will not be required to be vaccinated before the season begins on October 19th. Yes? That's right. The same league that isolated everybody in a virus-free bubble for an entire season without ticket-paying fans will not be requiring anybody to get a shot. Apparently, the union has put its foot down, ignored all the science, advocating the vaccine, and have called imposing a mandate a non-starter, meaning that if I'm a well-paid NBA player, of which I am neither one of those things, I do not have to get vaccinated in order to play. I just simply have to show up. But if I happen to be an NBA referee or an NBA staff member, then my vaccination will be mandatory. But put a basketball in my hands, and apparently that should be enough to ward off potential infections. The truth is that 85% of the players in the NBA are already vaccinated. That's already better than the U.S. population, which is only at 49.7%. It's not as good as the NFL, which is at 93%, but the NBA is still the very same league that postponed 31 games when they experienced an outbreak last season. Look, I don't have any answers here. I'm just, I just know that while people hate mandates, my chances of dying are significantly less with the vaccine than without the vaccine. Hence, I like vaccines for that very reason. Yes, they hurt a little bit. Yeah, I felt lousy for a day. Yes, mandates seem to be a little heavy-handed, but the options appear to be so much worse. In fact, I'd almost be willing to take more of them if I didn't think those government microchips would cause a problem down the road. 
But hey, enough of my yapping sports brought to you by Rockies Ace Hardware. Keith of the East Long Meadow Rockies is a man of steel. I'm talking steel chainsaws. The orange and white chainsaws that professionals use. Keith has years of steel training for steel chainsaws and all outdoor power equipment. Talk to Keith at the East Long Meadow Rockies Ace Hardware. I'm back. So that's my view from the couch. Rock 102. Rock 102 Springfield's Classic Rock at 714 and Journey on Rock 102. A hot and possibly wet day today. Uh, looking now at the hourly forecast. And uh, actually, it doesn't go above 50% until 7 p.m. But uh, some thunderstorms are possible uh, later on today. Until then, it's going to be about 85 degrees and muggy. And at the moment, it is 70 in downtown Springfield. So when we're trying to decide what to talk about, you know, sometimes you have a choice between two things. Um, big story last night, and I've already pre-ordered the book, not surprisingly. Uh, Bob Woodward's got a new book coming out that says that the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs during the Trump administration at the end, after Election Day, had uh, a, a very, very big fear of the president uh, firing a nuclear weapon, possibly toward China, and he and he went around and he had these private meetings with his commanders and said, "Listen, nobody does anything without checking with me first. And I thought about talking about that, but then I remembered uh, Pot Pie Week. Um, yeah, you remember Pot Pie Week, right? Who doesn't? Huge, yeah, right. Huge, huge uh, following in that. Well, yesterday we spent some time here uh, talking about the individual personalities of squirrels. And it turns out that they do have their own little personalities. Well, you know, uh, it's funny that you you bring this up because uh, we've talked about this time and time again. It doesn't really matter how uh, important or serious a topic may be. What really galvanizes the audience is the stuff that's stupid. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So uh, I got two emails overnight. Uh, one of them is a YouTube video uh, showing you how smart squirrels are. They're, I haven't watched this video, but it, it's, it's a backyard squirrel maze 1.0 ninja warrior course. Mm. It's like American Ninja done with squirrels. Right. Sure. Um, well, like like I said, I mean, the, their athleticism is uh, practically unparalleled. Oh, in yeah. The, in the animal kingdom. I, I I defy you to name for me 35 other species that are more athletic than a common squirrel. I couldn't name five. And then, uh, and then I also got this email. Uh, Hi, O'Brien. I was very pleased to hear you deliver premium squirrel content yesterday. I can attest that squirrels that visit my yard all have different personalities. Some are timid, some are curious, brave. Some so bold they will climb up on my lap when I'm sitting outside to get a peanut. Anyway, please let Bax know that squirrels do not hibernate in the winter. Chipmunks do, but not the gray and black squirrels around here. The more you know. Also, the reason squirrels run back and forth in the road, because I talked about how, you know, they're so agile. What's the deal with the zigzagging in the road when they're already uh, out of danger? Um, this guy says that's their defense mechanism in the wild. Well, you know, the late uh, Walter Payton used to zigzag out of double coverage all the sure. time, too. Yes. And he was always able to break free for first down yardage. This guy is making perfect sense. When the squirrels are cornered by a predator, their instinct is to confuse them by darting in different directions. 
Unfortunately, it doesn't work so well with a car barreling at them. That does make sense. Yeah, that's it's hard to argue. Then again, it's quite possible the writer says that they forgot their keys, because that's what I said. I said, you know, they they seemingly get all the way to the other side of the road, and all and all of a sudden they're like, oh, I, I forgot something. I left the stove on. Yeah, you know, the thing is, uh, I may have been wrong about the uh, the uh, the hibernation, mm-hmm. but you know, they do store nuts. Yes, they do for the winter time. I guess uh-huh. I should have. Put two and two together. No, they're they're fascinating animals. I mean, really fascinating. But I uh, knew a uh, there was a when I was in college uh, in the middle of the campus was this uh, like a you, they called it the the, the 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 mall of the of the uh, of the campus. It wasn't uh-huh. like a shopping mall, but just like a large green area and uh, kind of like uh, the National Mall would be in, in Washington. Uh, no shops, no uh, Orange Julius, uh, none of those things. No single luxury. No single luxury. But there used to be this Jesuit priest that would sit on a bench and feed the squirrels mm-hmm. and other woodland creatures. Now, you would never expect that you would find these kinds of animals in the middle of an urban area. Oh, I mean, sure, it, you know, the, 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 the Marquette campus is like literally downtown yeah and it's not a place where uh you find a lot of nature uh but yet this guy would sit there with like a little whistle a little tiny whistle and uh the animals would come to his feet Mm -hmm. and he would feed the animals yeah because they knew that's the guy you can trust to feed me this guy's cool yeah no he was this guy's cool Totally cool. Well, and, and I was reading a story the other day that uh, talked about um, bears and um, the people who, unfortunately, have the job of dispatching the bears. In, in other words, uh, shooting them. Because the bears also develop a, a, a lack of fear of humans mm-hmm. the more they have contact with them. Particularly the idiots who feed the bears. Um and when the bears are no longer afraid of humans, that's when the humans are in the most trouble. Because if the bear is going to have to fight for food, you're going to lose. So they end up having to go out and shoot the bears um, because they be, they're, 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 they're just too smart. You can't relocate them. Yeah, They've got sh- like built-in ways. You shouldn't have to shoot a bear for just, for just doing simple bear stuff. Well. You know, I mean, if they're... Bears just want to be fed, and they they're they're not meat eating animals. They're they're they like honey. They like uh, picnic baskets. Yeah, yeah. They're right. not really so interested in sinking their uh, sharp fangs into human flesh. Yeah, the other thing I can't figure out. I see if I can find it again because I had it earlier this morning, and uh, when I found out I had to do news, I got rid of it. But it was on the Drudge Report. You remember after um, I think it was after Ida, Hurricane Ida. That uh, there was a story, uh, very Amos Moses-like, right. of a man, a 70-something-year-old man, who uh, was outside of his home and uh, was attacked by a gator. And and the gator uh, bit his arm off. And the wife witnessed bit, bit, uh, this. With the stump? Uh, yeah, be- left the, arm gone clean up to the elbow. elbow. That's it. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, and um, the wife saw this, she witnessed this, and she ran inside to call 911. And unfortunately, by the time she got back, uh, the man was gone. Don't know whether he was swept away by the water Mm -hmm. or had another encounter with the gator. And the arm was gone, too. 
the arm was gone as well. The the gator, I, I don't know how they do this. Um, the gator was trapped Monday morning. This is uh, this is uh, like uh, a month later. They catch this gator, and um, it's uh, let me see. I'll give you the size here. Five, it's twelve feet long and five hundred and four pounds. Is that uh, that sounds like a big gator to me? Well, that must be a very big gator because Louisiana is full of gators. So how they would say that's the one that that bit the man, mm. and and they know it is because they trapped it, they killed it, and they gutted it, and when they did, they found what appeared to be human remains. In its gut. The very remains that they were looking for. Well, they'll they'll test them, I'm sure, to find out whether or not it was this man or mm. at least his arm. Um, but I, how do you know? Like I said, this was a month ago. Uh, how do you know this is the right gator in a state full of gators? Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. You know, sometimes they'll uh, they'll tag the gators. Yeah. You know, like a, yeah. so that way they can identify them. Like they do a lot of uh, animals in the wild, mm-hmm. but uh, you know I don't know I don't, you know I don't I don't try to get too close to any uh, animal. Yeah, like yeah yeah we I've told you before we've got the uh, the the camper up in Vermont. Yeah, we've we've seen bears, we've seen uh, the coyotes, yep. seen uh, raccoons, uh, foxes. We've seen all kinds of uh, animals up there. What about sasquatches? We have not seen the sasquatch. My, oh, it's uh, not the, it's my, a. my sister-in-law was up there a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and she saw a moose. Ah. Right? we never seen a moose, but they're up there. And uh, the thing that I have learned just in the brief period of time uh, where we're uh, going to Vermont is you don't mess with the animals. No. no yeah, they were there first. They were there first. Yeah. And if you leave them alone, they will typically leave you alone unless it appears as though you've got something to eat. Right. So I always leave right. the food indoors. Yeah. Well locked. You are the food. For some of these animals, mm-hmm. yes, that is true. Yeah. But you know, for many of them, they're they're herbivores. You're like they're soiling green. Uh, in a matter of speaking, I suppose that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's 724 with Bax and O'Brien to Rock 102. Are you ready for a brand new bath or shower with a beautiful modern upgrade? Stop away. With Bax and O'Brien to Rock 102. You know, you ever miss the Bax and O'Brien show? Don't mm-hmm. worry. We can always uh, set you up with the Bax and O'Brien daily podcast. It's available on BaxandO'Brien.com but also available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify, so you never have to miss another show again. Also, check out uh, Baxi's musical podcast. My guest this week, Jody Stevens of the band Big Star. He's also the manager of Arden Studios, which is a studio in Memphis that worked on music for Led Zeppelin and ZZ Top and the Allman Brothers and Bob Dylan, and the list is absolutely endless. It's a pretty cool interview, and you can check that out on BaxonO'Brien.com. Yeah, I forgot that I have a friend who is highly trained in uh, gator capturing, and uh, he texted me. To tell me that it's actually easier. It was easy to track this particular gator, right? Because he was bragging about it in all the sandbars, and he was wearing a pair of shoes made of that guy's arm, as opposed human to the skin people, boots. Uh, yeah, who yeah. wear animal? Uh, who wear alligator skin boots? Yeah. The, this uh, this alligator was wearing Amos Moses skin boots. Really? Yeah. Apparently. Did this alligator have uh, like a hat? And a collar with a little tie, 
He, was he as the uh, swingingest alligator in the swamp? Swingingest, that's what it was. I was yeah. trying to remember which, uh, whether it was coolest or yeah, swingingest. <laughs> Wally yeah. Gator yeah. was a swinging alligator in the swamp. Swingingest alligator that's in the right. swamp. Yes. Uh, no, I don't. I don't believe he was that one. I've never worn a, a collar and a tie that didn't involve a shirt or sleeve. Well, Actually, if I'm mistaken, Wally Gator had uh, cuffs. Yes, on the he ends of his also arms. Had cuffs as well. No shirt, cuffs maybe, and a collar. Maybe it was one of those alligator shirts, you know, that looks like an alligator, and then they leave the collar and the sleeves uh, to look like it's it's a normal dress shirt. Kind of like those uh, t-shirts that look like a tux. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. For more formal occasions. Sure, he had it the opposite, just like the uh, the Amos Moses shoes. Yes, yeah, you know? just like just. It, he's turned the tables, is what he's done. <laughs> Just like it. <laughs> 7.30, we have news next to Rock 102. Tim O'Brien to Rock 102. It's time for news brought to you by Yankee Home Improvement. The, this month receives 60% off installation with no money down, no interest, and no payments for a full year. Visit YankeeHomeImprovement.com and always use the keyword Rock 102. Filling in for John uh, for Steve Nagel is John O'Brien. Thanks, Bax. I've Googled this twice and I can't find a story on the internet. But the Today Show just did this story. You know the case where uh, it's been going on over the past couple of months where um, a woman and her son were found murdered in their home. Uh, They were part of a family of like three generations of lawyers and and former district attorneys. Um, Damn it, I can't even... uh, South Carolina. In South Carolina. Um, And this guy, Alex Murtaugh, who was the husband and father of the two murder victims... Um, was not named as a suspect, but yet uh, sometime later, I believe it was a month later, he claimed that he was changing a tire on the side of the road mm-hmm. when somebody came along and shot him in the head. Now, it really just nicked him, and uh, he was not seriously injured. The story this morning is they've made an arrest in that, and they believe that Alex Murtaugh arranged this whole thing of him getting shot. Not not going back to the wife and son, just this incident of him being shot. They've arrested a guy. The, the weird thing is he's being charged with assisted suicide. Now, first of all, there was no suicide, and, and it didn't say attempted assisted suicide. It said he's being charged with assisted suicide. What the hell? How? I I don't, well, simply because he's the one who, you know, prearranged to shoot this guy in the head and they had a conspiracy together. But I've never, other than Jack Kevorkian, I can't think of anyone who's ever been accused of assisted suicide. That's what about the uh, the girl that convinced her boyfriend to kill himself? No, was that one of the charges that she um, faced? Uh, I don't remember. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't remember either. But um, I, but nevertheless, that's that's a that's a weird kind of. And she twist probably in the story. should have been charged because that kid did in fact kill himself. You know, this guy here didn't die, and if this is the guy who pulled the trigger of the gun. It should be attempted murder, not assisted suicide. Although, because he was part of a conspiracy, I think the victim 
really did want to be killed. I think this guy, Alex Murtaugh, no, I know he did because that's what the story said. The, he wanted to be killed so that his inheritance would go to his son and he would be gone. Um, but, boy, what a bizarre case. Just getting yeah. weirder and weirder. And I, we talked about this uh, this case last week. This guy, like the day before the shooting, was pushed out of his own law firm. Yeah. And yeah. Um, well, you know, he's this, in rehab now. He's got an oxy uh, dependency. Yeah. There, there's some real sketchy things about this guy. Yeah. Doesn't mean he did it. No. It just. But there, there's some. There's certainly some uh, some questionable things in his background. Two days after the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, President Donald Trump's top military advisor, Joint Chiefs Chairman General Mark Milley, single-handedly took secret action to limit Trump from potentially ordering a dangerous military strike or launching nuclear weapons, according to a new book called Peril that will be released next week by uh, veteran journalist Bob Woodward and uh, Washington Post reporter Robert Costa. Those two men write that Milley... Deeply shaken by the January 6th assault, was certain that Trump had gone into a serious mental decline in the aftermath of the election. And with Trump now all but manic, screaming at officials and constructing his own alternate reality about endless election conspiracies, Milley worried that Trump could go rogue. He told his senior staff, you never know what a president's trigger point is. And in response, he took extraordinary action, called a secret meeting in his Pentagon office to review the process for military action, including launching nuclear weapons. Speaking to senior military officials in charge of the National Military Command, the Pentagon War Room, Millie instructed them not to take any orders from anyone unless he was involved. Uh, Apparently... Uh, the book is based on two in, 200 interviews with first-hand participants and witnesses. Now, not surprisingly, uh, the former president has done an interview since this and said that General Milley should be charged with treason. And, of course, he discounted ever having thought about uh, bombing mm. anyone. So uh, I'm sure everyone out there who's a supporter is going to believe this book is just full of lies. But, uh, again, you know, it's Bob Woodward. Yeah, but you know Bob Woodward also wrote that book about John Belushi, and everybody in the Belushi family was like, "Ah, no, that's that's not how that would happen." Well, but who did he talk to to write the book? Uh, a bunch of people surrounding, uh, 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 you know, surrounding him, but never, mm. they never, t- you know, the accusations against uh, the the woman that they gave him the drugs, and there were there were there were a lot of people that questioned the, you know, whether he took the the, the kind of the lazy man's route. In yeah. telling that story, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he's that that he's wrong about these things. I'm just saying mm-hmm. that, yeah, I mean, the guy's got some credibility. If you want to go back to the Watergate stuff, but oh, he's got a lot of credibility. But he's also got uh, a lot of criticism behind him too. Last Thursday, the University of Massachusetts at Amherst closed the student tailgate lot for the football game against Boston College amid uh, COVID concerns. As a result. Hundreds of students gathered outside the townhouse of Amherst to celebrate the game. UMass canceled the student tailgate after the university reported more than 150 cases of COVID in the first week of classes. Around 97% of the student population is vaccinated, and there are currently no public prohibitions about outdoor gatherings off campus. But the decision to cancel the campus-organized Student game day football tailgate on Saturday adjacent to McGurk Stadium. It was made by UMass 
given concerns about students gathering in large numbers in very crowded settings. I I understand the desire to do that, but you're pushing them potentially indoors yeah. to parties where they will be in worse possible uh, exposures. Of course, you'll cram 400 students into a lecture hall for a class. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because you know you can you can charge them for that, or or uh, cram however many fit inside McGurk Stadium. <laughs> yes, but not out in the parking lot. Only students who are showing symptoms of COVID are required to get tested for infection. While nearly the entire community is vaccinated, the university believes we must take all additional steps to protect ourselves and those around us from breakthrough infections. We continue to advise students, whether on campus or off, that while the safest place to be is outdoors, even masks should be worn and social distancing should be uh, done if possible. I think they, uh, they're finally starting to realize, after all these years, that college students are not always that responsible. No, and like, they can find a way to party. Yeah, and between like the ages of like 18 to 22, mm-hmm. you know, and kid, like that college age thing. Yeah. Um, you know, like that's their last opportunity to squeeze as much irresponsibility out of their system as they can. Just, you know, that age bracket. Especially when you take the previous year away from them. Yes. And and do remote learning. Now now they've got uh, they got energy to burn. So after UMass announced the closure of Lot 11, many students took to social media to say that they would find another way to party. And they did, as videos surfaced online showing crowds of students at the townhouse dressed in UMass attire. Uh, A post from uh, someone calling themselves ZooMass shows a crowd of several hundred students gathering with a caption that said, they can take our tailgates, but they can never take our freedom. Did you, uh, I did this story, and this isn't necessarily about COVID, but it's about the irresponsibility of college students. Did you see the story uh, about the Alab- uh, the Arkansas football team? No. So uh, the, 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 the University of Arkansas has been fined by the SEC uh, uh, $100,000 because as they beat Texas over the weekend, uh, a bunch of students, a bunch of fans, jumped over the fence and started running over the field. And the SEC has a policy that you're not supposed to break the plane of the playing field at any time uh, during, after, or before the game. And so they have fined Arkansas $100,000. Now, if they violate it again, it'll be the third time because they did it again like you know 10 years ago. Uh, it'll be a $250,000 fine. Now, I know, and I'm sure you do too, that if a college student, Years that their school could mm-hmm. be fine, yeah. and you're paying thirty-seven thousand dollars a year to go there. That is no deterrent at all. Yeah. In fact, it's almost like a challenge. Like, oh, there's a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine. Well, that's the cost of five point eight students at our university. Let's jump the fence. Yeah, but I wonder how many does that university then also have a policy that if you are the student who's caught doing this, then you will be fined well, a certain amount I mean, of money? No, who's splitting hairs now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I would think that that's what the university would say is, yeah, we may have to pay $250,000, but you have to pay 10% of that and you're done. Your education's over. Yeah. Hey, look who's joining us. It's Steve Nagel. Steve Nagel? Hey, how you doing, buddy? You know. I showed up to the studio this morning, and nobody was here, so I went home. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, I did. What time was that? Oh, it was like 4 o'clock. 
Four o'clock. We got here way too early. We, we were all here. Yeah. And then uh, and then I was like, well, if they're not going to be here, then I'm not going to be here either. So you turned around, you went all the way back home? <laughs> all the way back home. And got wow. into bed. Got into bed. Yeah. And then uh, I realized you guys were calling, and I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. What? Are you, what? Oh, yeah. oh, you're there. Right. Right. Did you get some rest, Steve? <laughs> Sort of, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, there you go. That. Yeah. Late, late night? No. And here is the thing. You know, I was home by 8.30 last night. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, you had an event last night, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I was, like, tossing and turning until, like, 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, I can finally fall asleep. Well, guess what? I finally slept through all the alarms and all the phone calls and everything else to go along with it. <laughs> Now, how do you sleep? Because, because you know, look, um, particularly for for someone like myself who has been here for this long, uh, when someone's not responding to phone calls for a certain period of time, you write it off as being okay. They're obviously oversleeping. There comes a point when you start to think to yourself, "This is beyond right. unusual." And, and and I'm thinking to myself, with the two young girls you have in the house, I have no idea what time they wake up, but they should have woken you by now. No. Not yet? No. Okay. No. All right. So, no. see, I didn't know that. And, again, having been here this long, when we had a horrible incident happen one time when someone didn't show up for work and eventually... Uh, we had the police go and check, and it was a it was a horrible incident that had happened. The young lady had been murdered. Um, you know that uh, my mind goes back to that because I was here then. But uh, you're you're just what time do the kids get up? Uh, like seven o'clock. So I talked to you at like six forty five. Okay, that's right. It was six forty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and that's the worst part. Uh, there was no uh, substance involved. There was no. Uh, uh, that's you see. I, I wasn't I, at Zoo Mass over the weekend you know, or last uh, night. You don't uh, even have a good excuse. I don't have any excuse. Particularly no excuse. since you also set your alarm. What and the and the thing with that is, I know I probably was in too deep of a sleep to hear the alarm part. Mm-hmm. Right? But for some reason, that thing doesn't keep going off on the phone. And I oh. usually and I have a second alarm that I didn't set on the actual alarm clock. Ah, yeah. Don't you also have one of those uh, sleeping gas machines, though? Like Bax? I do. Were you using that? I didn't. Oh, Because geez. I was up tossing and turning all night. I couldn't get comfortable falling asleep. And then I finally did fall asleep. And then... Slept right through everything. Ah, Steve, I don't know what to tell you. You gotta, <sighs> gotta wear your mask. It's too bad that the uh, the the the, uh, the CPAP doesn't come with its own alarm. That would be one. That would be uh, something yeah, right there. Why don't they build those things with that? I've thought about that. You know, wouldn't it be cool well, if you could, you know, set it for like you know for whatever time, say six o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden. It either uh, cuts the air off, so you're now you're gonna, choking on it. Yeah, I was going to say that. You know, it stops pumping out the sleeping gas, so that you can wake up within the next yeah, half hour. Yeah, it's or no, it's no sleeping gas. It's just oxygen. Oh yeah, okay, all right. You, you go on. It's just that. the room air. It's yeah. not even like uh, pumped in oxygen. Right, right. Or or if it pumped in like a scent, like a like some sort of gross methane type of smell, you know. Yeah, because you want to be woken up in the middle of a deep sleep and think you're in the midst of a gas leak. But you'd get up, wouldn't yeah, you? Well, yes. 
you you probably would. I'm not talking about like you know, uh, carbon monoxide. I'm talking about like you know methane that you'd yeah. find, say, like oh I don't know, in a, a bathroom or a cow pasture or a cow urinal. Apparently, yes. So well, anyway, here I am. Uh, yeah. Welcome, Steve. Gee, thanks. I appreciate it. It's uh, you, it's you, good to have hour, you. You've got an hour to prepare for a newscast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could do the last newscast. <laughs> Yay! It's seven forty nine. Rock one hundred two. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts for a new Super Start battery built to handle even the toughest. Welcome to Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 755 in Aerosmith and Rock 102. You know, the Big E starts this Friday, September 17th, with Military Appreciation Day. If you're a veteran or currently serving in the military, join uh, Rock 102 at the Big E and receive free admission with the proper ID. While you're there, stop by the VA's Information Center located on the Avenue Estate. Steve Nagel and the road crew will be there. All set up for the VA from uh, 11 to 1 on Military Appreciation Day. There'll be prizes, there'll be Nagel, there'll be uh, all kinds of things this Friday at the Big E and Rock 102 Springfield's Classic Rock. Yeah, I've done it for like the last uh, five, uh, well, prior to last year, no Big E, probably five years uh, before that. And uh, they had asked me to do it about um, two months ago before this latest surge really started. I'm not. I'm. I'm not even sure now whether or not I want to go to the Big E. I mean, e- even if I stayed outdoors. Although I might now because I've found out the Western Mass Animal Rights Advocates are going to be there each weekend, uh, protesting against the use of live animals at the Big E. Are you going to go there for that? Uh, I might. I might go there for the protest. Yeah, that that could be because uh, you know they're not going to be allowed in. I mean, they're going to be right, right. out on the sidewalk on the the side of Memorial Avenue. I thought you were a big fan of that bear exhibit. I I you know, I did like that bear exhibit. I loved that bear exhibit actually, and I and I'm trying to remember whether or not the bears were born in. See, I have a kind of a slightly different feeling about animals that are born in captivity i i feel worse for animals that were taken from nature and Mm. then forced to be uh kept in in places i think in in that case those bears were born into show business well they might have been they're they're a show business uh family of bears very much like the barrymores or uh barrymores Yes, the, I mean, the, I think the last thing you'd want to do is set those bear, bears, uh, you know, back out in the wild. They wouldn't know what well, the, how, to, how to fend for themselves. That's what I mean too. You know, I mean, for for a lot of these animals, no, they have to go to sanctuaries. But but places like animal rights groups, they just want them to stop being used as uh, as show mm. or rides. You know what you should do. You should go inside the Big E, grab yourself one of the big giant uh, turkey legs, yeah. then go out to the protest and try to you know, protest the you know, cruelty to animals Well, with a big $12 uh, you know, turkey leg in your mouth. First of all, I'm sure that the animal rights advocates probably do eat food that was once an animal. <laughs> I'm not um, so sure about that. But, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't know. They're, I, I, they're I don't all know. vegan, every single one of them. The thing of it is is that every state house has something you can buy to eat. And, and and again, the Board of Health for West Springfield is going to meet tonight and decide whether or not there needs to be a mask mandate at the Big E. So even if they mandate masks for indoor venues at the Big E, you can be eating in yeah. any one of those venues and walking around with those crowds with no mask on, even if there's a mandate. So... 
I don't know. I, uh, I, I don't think that's going to work. Uh, last night, uh, I was told if you, as long as you have a drink in your hand, you don't have to have your mask on. Yeah. yeah well, that's what I mean. I because like, with alcohol in your hand, you're no longer infectious. Well, it, it just could doesn't, be a soda. It could be water. It but, could be anything. But it doesn't make any sense. It, it, it really doesn't. The... I guess the sitting down, taking the mask off thing might because you're not walking around right. spreading your uh, your spray everywhere. Yeah. But the idea of having a drink in your hand automatically makes you uh, it makes it okay for you to be standing and talking to people. I, I don't mean to be punching holes in your theory here, yeah. but I don't know of a single incident in the world where somebody contracted COVID because they were trying to eat an 18 inch corn dog at a fair. Yeah, well, you haven't heard it yet. Not yet, but uh, yeah, I, I show me some uh, some science. Anywho, it's 759 a Rock 102. Save yourself 30% at the Brass Rail. The Brass Rail Meeting House, a lakeside banquet facility. Join them for their incredible... Hey, you kids are up on all the new tunes. Tell me if this one rings a bell. Heartbreaker, love taker, shoemaker, won't you kiss my shoes for free? Huh? Anything? Shorty? Girl? It's 813 with Bax and O'Brien a Rock 102. Yeah, Brew Baker, run your prison like a man. <laughs> I don't remember, remember which one came first, but yeah. man, it gets better every time. Um, uh, let's see, showers possible today, but from what I'm seeing on the Weather Channel, it's not until probably most of the day is over, so it's just going to be hot and muggy, a high of 85. It's uh, 71 in downtown Springfield. You know, every once in a while, and I've talked about this before, Every once in a while, I find myself uh, just kind of getting deep in thought of what it would be oh, like. Oh, Jesus, here we go. Of what it would be like to be other people, other kinds of people. Um, I, I mentioned before, years ago, I, I witnessed a, a, a child with, I believe, was probably Down syndrome, uh, eating an ice cream and clearly, uh, you know, in the moment, and the ice cream was the greatest thing in the world, and it's all that mattered at that time. And I and I try to imagine what it would be like to have that kind of happiness, to 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 have mm-hmm. that kind of uh, enjoyment. Over the weekend, I saw what I'm I'm certain were uh, a pair of brothers who uh, were the same way, and just you know smiles on their faces. And, and I'm sure it's not like that every moment of every day, but they they. To be in the moment is such a cool thing. Sometimes uh, if I see uh, an African-American, I will wonder to myself, I wonder what that particular individual, I wonder what that person has gone through uh, with the kinds of stupidity that that racism can cause. There was this story uh, in Mass Live last week, and there's a follow-up on it this morning. A Cambridge school committee member and her family are offering thanks to the public for support that they have received after employees at a a farm in Danvers racially profiled them and accused them of stealing apples. Uh, Manica Bowman, the vice chairman of the school committee in Cambridge, was with her husband, and they were visiting uh, a tourist farm on Labor Day with their children. As they left the orchard and were headed to the farm store, the family was stopped by a security guard. The young kids had mistakenly picked more apples than they could fit into their prepaid bag. When uh, Ms. Bowman realized this, uh, they intended to pay for the extra apples on their way out. 
but the security guards searched her purse and when asked repeatedly for the owner's contact information, uh, when, when the family asked the security guards for the owner's contact information, the security guards then called the police. Okay. The responding officers accused the family of playing the race card. As a result, uh, the farm overcharged us for extra fruit. What would those six apples have cost? A total of $4. We're wondering, was it ever about the apples? And the story was picked up by national news and yada, yada, yada. And they, and they said, how do you like those apples? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Both the farm and town officials have apologized to the family, with the town calling the experience unsettling and saying that the family's request for diversity, equity, and inclusion training for the town staff is entirely reasonable and appropriate. Yeah, I don't know why the cops would have said, you know, you're playing the race card here. But but the idea that the the security guards just automatically assume because they've got more apples than they've got room in the bag for them that they're they're stealing them, and and you know we're talking about a school committee member, a, right. a vice chairman. I, I'm sure that you know I don't know how far Cambridge is from Danvers, and I don't expect the people of Danvers to know who the Cambridge school committee members are, but. I don't know. I just, it just amazes me sometimes that that people can be so ignorant. Well, uh, this this sudden burst of empathy doesn't uh, suit you very well. I know. That's, I know. I'm trying to shake you. it. But you know the the you know it's it, it's very hard for two old white guys to make real you know judgments on what it must feel like. We couldn't possibly put ourselves in that in our in 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 the shoes of <clears> someone <throat> who feels uh, like racism you know follows them no matter where they go. But I think, you know, at the very least, you can at least try to to imagine that if your whole life has been defined in some way about the reactions of people of a different race, then it's very easy to just assume, hey, why, you know, you know why am I being targeted here uh, for this when I'm... My intention wasn't to steal apples, but to pay for additional apples. You know, you you wonder. It's very hard for a lot of people, you know, uh, you know, Caucasians, to understand what it must feel like. And I can't claim that I would know, and and neither would you, what that must feel like to constantly wonder what is the intention of somebody. Is it about um, is it about racism? Is it about something else? Sometimes it's so unclear that it's easy to just leap at that assumption. And the problem with that is, you know, can you blame someone for feeling that way? I don't know if you do. And I don't know if it's if it's really appropriate for us to... Wait, do you blame the racist or do you blame the uh, minority? Who, who do you mean? Well, I can't blame the individual for feeling like, you Which know... Which individual, the minority or the racist? The minority. Okay. I'm not talking about okay. the racist. I'm right. talking about the individual who feels as though they are the subject of right. racism. Right. You know, it's very, I assume it is very easy to feel that that is the primary thought of everybody who does not necessarily fall into your racial group. That may or may not be true. But there's, there is institutional racism. There is there, there is a, a a feeling of of oppression 
some of it is covert, some of it is real, you know, undercurrent type stuff. And that's, I mean, and that's why, you know, when when the Black Lives Matter uh, movement begins and people misunderstand what it is they're really talking about, um, th- then, you know, it, it it causes us to be even more confused about it sometimes. Well, especially, you know, and you've heard these comparisons made. The Black Lives Matter demonstration at Lafayette Park in, uh, in, in Washington, D.C. was met with tear gas and riot police. But the January 6th insurrection was met with cops holding doors open and taking pictures with protesters. That is clearly a racist issue. Uh, In this particular case, the couple says that the farm has agreed to conduct racial equality and implicit bias workshops for their staff and to refund the family their money. Um, Both of those actions taken at the request of the family. But, you know, by the same token, I mean... Uh, what's the what's the length of employment of the average teenage kid working on a farm during the summer uh, that you're going to all of a sudden have a bias workshop no. for the staff? There's no way to follow up and find out whether the farmer the farm people actually did that or they just said it to make it go away. Because prior to their apology, they put on their Facebook page, which has since been deactivated that they reserved the right to inspect all backpacks, bags, and strollers, meaning, you know, look, we had the right to check your pocketbook. Mm. Ah. The, the, issue, the issue with Black Lives Matter, and you know, a lot of people you know, criticize it for saying, well, you know, all lives matter. Well, yeah, that's true, but what they're saying is not all lives are considered equal. And... Black Lives Matter wants a level of equality that doesn't exist for everybody, especially when you're talking about groups that have never felt as though they've been given the same level of equality as white people have. And for those of us who are not black or not Hispanic or Asian or any other you know, you know ethnic minority, it's very hard for us to understand what that means, what yeah. that feels like, what that experience is all about. It's almost impossible for us to, you know, even the most empathetic of us has a hard time really grasping that. It's about equality. And when you're judging somebody based on a preconceived notion, it's very easy to feel as though, hey, I'm being targeted here. And by the way, uh, when I when I made that comment before about Washington, um, I wasn't downplaying the police by saying they held doors open and took selfies. I'm aware a police officer was killed. Uh, Another one committed suicide within days afterwards. The police were clearly outnumbered. They did what they felt they needed to do in order to be able to, first of all, survive that crowd. That was not meant as a a judgment against the police. But it was meant as as a judgment of the reactions of officials from one incident to the next. Uh, when a group of minorities riot, they are called rioters. When a group of white people demonstrate, they are called protesters. And not always in those cases, but but certainly many times. Do you do you treat every incident in the same equal way? No, there you be, can't. You don't. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, people become you know very sensitive to that. And it's it's you know we're we're kind of at a crossroads now where we're trying to understand uh, you know race a little better. 
and some people are never going to get it, and some people are going to do their damnedest to try to understand it. Yeah. But it's really hard for us to kind of come to consensus on it when you know my experience may be different from the guy next to me. Racism aside, I mean, I, I went to apple picking last year, and I, I just I didn't see the attraction. The, most of the apples are already on the ground. There's no need to reach up. I don't. I don't really like to eat, you know, raw apples. Baked is fine, or you know, a pie yeah, or something yeah, like but, that. But I mean, you have to work to get them out of the tree when they're already right there on the ground. Take them, take them from the ground. It's eight twenty-four with Bax and O'Brien of Rock One Hundred Two. And Decker is an equal opportunity employer. It's eight twenty-eight with Bax and O'Brien of Rock One Hundred Two. Hey, uh, so. I'm trying to figure this out. I, I've got one of them ring cameras, right? Okay. Ring doorbells. Uh, doorbell cams. Ring doorbell cams. And uh, <laughs> A doorbell ring cam? No, no, no. It's a ring doorbell cam. And uh, it, it it's, uh, supposedly uh, sees things that um, either are on my front step or uh, large enough to create uh, some kind of a motion detection on the thing. And um, right now, there's a huge uh, cherry-picking truck in my driveway and a uh, equally large truck with a wood chipper directly in front of my house. Okay. I'm having some tree work done. And the, the camera, the ring camera phone, didn't pick up either of these things. I had to actually go and manually look at the live shot on the camera to see these two huge trucks directly in front of my house. Mm. That kind of makes me wonder whether or not this thing is going to see the band of thieves trying to break into my home some night. Uh, it might not. Or you might not. Well, it'll see it. It's just not going to show you. It's not going to alert me. Yes. Apparently. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. it would. Like it's working in cahoots with the, uh, with the would-be thieves. Yeah. Big, uh. huge truck in the driveway, wood chipper out in the street, nothing on my alerts. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. It was money well spent. Well, it was at one time, and it will be if if that band of marauding uh, burglars is caught. There you go. But we'll have to wait and see. Of course, uh, you're miles away from the action, so it's not like uh, you can do a whole hell of a well, lot. Well, no, but at least I mean I can call the uh, I can call the police and yeah, say, hey, look, this is what I'm seeing going on right now. And they'll say, yeah, 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 we'll get around to it mm-hmm. when we damn well feel like it. I don't know. It's 8.30. We have news next to Rock 102. September means fall in New England. Football, pumpkins. 8.32 with Bax and O'Brien at Rock 102. It's time for news, and it is brought to you by 413 Pro Tint. For tinting in your vehicle, home, or business, call 413 Pro Tint in Springfield today. Here's local radio icon Steve Nagel. Thanks, Bax. Hey, well, I don't have any news. I didn't have any time to prepare this morning. You had well, an you hour. Had, but you had an hour now. What, what are you talking about? Yeah, you've been here for an hour. Uh, it's, I, need, uh, I need an hour and ten minutes. Well, you do not. <laughs> <No>. You have <laughs> I, uh, a woman was arrested in connection with two bank robberies in the West Springfield area. According to a news release from the West Springfield Police, Wendy Rachel Young was arrested at the Bel Air Motel on Riverdale Street and charged with two counts of armed robbery while masked. Oh, that's a nice place. It's a beautiful place. Again, with the details. Yeah, I know. All of a sudden, loose lips over there. The floodgates have opened over at the West Springfield Police Department, and everybody's just yipping and yapping now, yeah. all the little details. Normally, they would never tell you what uh, you know palatial accommodation she'd be staying at, but the Bel Air is a beautiful, beautiful motel. It is. According to West Springfield Police Sergeant Joe LaFrance, uh, Monday morning, police re- uh, received, yeah. received heard reports... 
received heard reports? Yeah, of a bank robbery at TD Bank on Riverdale Street. The suspect, identified as a woman, allegedly handed a note to a teller that demanded money, and an determined amount of cash was given to the suspect when she left the bank on foot. A similar style robbery happened three days later at the Freedom Credit Union on Union Street, and Young was identified as the robber in both incidents. Police report that after an investigation, officer uh, officers saw Young's vehicle parked at the Bel Air Motel where she recently began staying. Oh, boy. She was arrested in the common area. I didn't know there was a common area of the Bel Air. Oh, I believe it's a large palatial foyer in the middle of the uh, of the facility. I'm sure it's somewhere that you check in. But it's, uh, it's Wendy with an I. Everyone knows ah, it's Wendy. Everyone knows it's Wendy. Yeah. With an I. It is. But, uh, hey, you know what? You try to get you try to get yourself back on your feet. You're gonna need a few extra bucks. That's right. Bank is the first place to go, and you're gonna need a nice place to stay. Yes, you know exactly where to go. We're That's living, it. living it up at the Bel Air Inn. Mm-hmm. The, uh, for her. Office of Hamden District Attorney Anthony Galuni on Tuesday disclosed the identity of the woman shot to death on Saturday as Kiara Torres, 27, of Springfield. Torres was shot just before 3 p.m. on Vermont Street in Forest Park. She in Forest Park neighborhood. She was rushed by ambulance to the hospital, but died of her injuries roughly eight hours later. There have been no arrests, and officials have not disclosed any possible motives for the shooting. The homicide is under investigation by the uh, homicide unit and the DA's murder unit, and her death is the ninth homicide in the city so far. In 2021, there were 18 in 2020. Uh, last Thursday, UMass Amherst uh, closed the student tailgate lot for the football game against the Boston, against Boston College amid COVID-19 concerns. As a result, hundreds of students gathered outside the townhouse of Amherst to celebrate game day. UMass canceled the uh, student tailgate after the university reported more than 150 cases of COVID after the first week of classes. Around 97% of the student population is vaccinated against COVID, and there are currently no public health prohibitions, uh, about indoor gatherings off campus. Hmm. But this, uh, did you see the video of this? No. Oh, no. holy crap. <laughs> like, they're just, nobody's caring, a, has a care in the world. No, they're college And they're, and they're all, like, elbow to elbow in the middle of this, like, yeah. square. Uh-huh. Yeah. Co- college, uh, college students should be listed as a mental disorder. I mean, yeah. it just should, because, I mean, th- I've... In my lifetime, I never was more stupid than the ages of 18 to 22. And that's saying something, since I've made a career out of being stupid. I was going to say, yeah, I can't imagine what it must have been like, considering how stupid you are still. Well, I was, like, aggressively trying to be stupid. Like, like intentionally going out with malice against myself to be as stupid as possible. Yeah. Uh, A spokesperson from UMass said the decision to cancel campus-organized student game day football tailgate on Saturday adjacent to McGurk Stadium was made by UMass given concerns about students gathering in large numbers in very crowded settings. Yeah, like football stadiums for opening games. So these kids go on social media and they're like, that ain't going to stop us from getting together. And it didn't. They, They gathered... It looked like a couple of thousand people mm-hmm. on that thing. It said hundreds, but it looked a lot more than that. They probably just stopped counting after a while. A uh, post from Zoomass shows a crowd of several hundred students gathering with a caption that read, They may take our tailgates, but they can never take our freedom. <laughs> so true. So true. Never underestimate the power of a college student with a keg of beer. Well, or two kegs of beer. That's yeah. twice as punch powerful. 
again, when we did this story earlier, uh, you, you're pushing the kids possibly to indoor parties where they're actually probably in greater danger than they would be or danger of exposure uh, than they might be in a tailgating situation. And once you let them into the stadium, they're going to be shoulder to shoulder anyway. So I, I don't understand what you're what you're uh, avoiding by canceling an official tailgate area except your own liability. Well, that's the that's the whole thing. That's that's what they're really concerned about. I mean, they know that most of these kids have been vaccinated. Some of them are going to wear masks. Yeah, they're going to do irresponsible behavior. But the, what they're most afraid of is the liability. Yeah, that's well, it. The li- like I said, the liability still exists once they're inside the stadium. Absolutely. So I, I don't. I don't know what you're actually doing by doing this. At most of the uh, largest U.S. public universities, students are under no obligation to be vaccinated against COVID. Some uh, schools do require vaccines with leniency for those who opt out. Still, others have expelled students who do not comply. A new semester begins amid a resurgence of the coronavirus. Administrators and faculty nationwide see high vaccination rates as key to bringing back some normalcy back to campus. Where mandates face political opposition, schools are relying on incentives and outreach to get more students vaccinated. They're giving away prizes at some of these schools. Mm-hmm. Hey, you could win a brand new car. Nah. No, I don't know if they're that good. <clears throat> Probably pencils. Probably like extra swipes of your card for uh, you know, like the dining hall. That kind of thing. That's it? Extra swipes extra for the dining sw- hall? Yeah, right. So here... Uh, if you if you get vaccinated and you stay with your mask and do all the other uh, protocols, we'll give you a chance to eat more gross industrialized food. Can't you change my D to a B? No, that that's not going to happen. An anal wisis by the Associated Press shows 26 of the nation's 50 largest public university campuses are not requiring vaccination, representing roughly 55% of students enrolled at those schools. Excuse me, a, a what showed this? An anal wisis. An- Analysis, Steve. I believe that's analysis. Yeah, uh, I think it is analysis. Okay, Captain Highbrow. We don't all know the big words yeah, around here, yeah, but yeah. if you want to correct me, you can go right in. Uh huh. Analysis. <laughs> silly, silly man. See what happens when you get extra sleep? Analysis. <laughs> I'm on my game this morning. Now. Uh huh. I don't know about that. <laughs> you never. You never had an extensive anal wisis? No, uh, not no. if I could have prevented it. No. Universities with vaccine mandates are concentrated in the Northeast and California. Almost all of those without mandates are in states that have restricted the ability to implement vaccine requirements, including, uh, surprise, surprise, Florida, Texas, and Arizona. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe. Is it really that hard to believe? No, that? not no. really. In fact, it's the easiest thing to believe. Mm. A uh, couple in uh, southern Indiana didn't get the memo about the dangers of drinking and driving, uh, even when uh, staring them in the face. According to the Indiana State Police, 56-year-old Donald Ricketts was out driving drunk on Monday night. I used to love that guy. He would insult people all the time. He called people hockey puck. No, no, no. You're thinking of Don Rickles. It's, it's uh, It's the... It's the uh, the disease that uh, happens uh, like uh, if you don't have enough vitamin C in your no, body. No, no, no. You're thinking of rickets. Uh, I'm thinking of the one that, uh, you know, when you don't have aluminum siding on your house, uh, maybe you've got those old wooden things there. Okay, anybody? Pickets. Anyone? Pickets. Pickets. What are we? Uh, what? Shingles. Shingles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shingles. Oh, 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 oh. oh. 
That didn't even rhyme with that. <sighs> that, that, that. I don't even know where you're okay. connecting the pieces on that one. Anyway, Mr. Ricketts was out driving drunk on Monday night when he crossed the center line and struck a tractor trailer headed in the opposite direction. Thankfully, the other, other driver wasn't hurt. After the crash, Donald called his wife and asked her to pick him up. So, 55-year-old Cheryl, Cheryl Ricketts hopped into another car and headed his way. But when she got to the scene, she crashed into Donald's car. Oh, boy. Which was still in the middle of the road. Oh. And believe it or not, she was drunk, she was too. Drunk. Mm. Damn. Both of the cars were totaled. Donald was a little banged up, but Cheryl is fine. They both failed sobriety tests after the police arrived. Donald uh, was later found to have a blood alcohol content of 0.28, and Cheryl was at 0.22. Now she was catching up. Not too bad. So about three times the legal limit for both. But, uh, you know, that's like one of those decisions that you make with all your buddies at the end. Well, which one of you is less drunk to drive home? Oh, we're both going to be driving. We took, We brought both cars. Well, I don't know which one of you is going to... I think you should go. I think you should do this, and you should go with me. <laughs> In your own car. Yeah. Remember those uh, breathalyzers they used to have at bars? Yeah. Uh, like the, it was like a coin-operated breathalyzer. Like, you get a straw... You put your, yeah. you, you put your quarter in, they give you a straw, you put the straw in the hole, you blow into the into the straw, and it tells you what your blood alcohol content and, was. And they claimed it was for safety. It, like hell it was. But it was more of a challenge for everybody else. Absolutely. It's like, who could blow the highest number on this thing right now? Says here, I'm a .5. I could do better than that. I saw one of those in Virginia Beach about 20 years ago. And that's exactly what we were doing. Uh, that's exa yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. Like, how many more gin and tonics can you have before this thing uh, registers dash, dash, dash versus a number? But that's, yeah, that's what I that's what I try to do to those electronic uh, radar things on the side of the road. You know, the ones that are telling you your speed. Yeah, you got to watch out. Yeah. Though. There it, might be a cop nearby. Nah, no, I've no. never seen a cop in a single one yet. That's when you gun it. There's, you know, when you're four, five, six miles an hour over the speed limit, it's telling you the number. You know, it shows you it's a 35 mile an hour limit, and then you're seeing you're doing 39 or you're doing 40. Mm -hmm. But there's a certain point where it says slow down. Then there's another point where it says too fast, and then there's another point where you just get dashes. I always try to hit the dash. No, I bet you do. <laughs> As opposed to being thrown from the car yeah. from you know, over the dash. Well, yeah, no, it's usually on the bike. I think for the most part, those things are effective at making people slow down yeah. a little bit. Yeah, they do. But there's that one between uh, Westfield and West Springfield on Route 20. I just, just went through it yesterday. Yeah, and that's the one that nobody follows the speed yeah. limit yeah it's always blinking like slow down so, you know i'm going out to westfield yesterday and uh i'm on the bike and the way i go up is uh, uh you know i cross 91 and i get off onto route 5 south and then uh i take morgan road and, and follow that all the way up uh and then it bends uh to the left and then uh i follow that and I want to make a right onto Dewey Street, Dewey. and then that will bring me all the way down to Old Westfield Road, which will then bring me out onto Route 20 mm -hmm. after I go under the railroad tracks. Well, couldn't you just take uh, Route 5 to Morgan Road? Well, I could have done that too. Uh, <laughs> when we when when I get on to Morgan Road, <laughs> there is a minivan in front of me that is doing 25 miles an hour. 
And uh, I I give it, uh, oh boy, I gave it almost all the way up the hill. And I don't know if that stays Morgan Road all the way up there. I don't know if at some point it changes when you cross an intersection. But uh, I finally decide, all right, I've had enough of this. And, uh, and I pass him in a no-passing zone. And the guy behind me passes him as well. Then I accidentally make a right-hand turn on Amos Town Road instead of Dewey. Ooh. And I don't know oh, where Amos Town Road goes, so I pull into a driveway to pull a U-turn and then pull back out onto the road just as that minivan is going by again with this long-ass line of cars following it at 25 miles an hour. Now I have to get not only behind the minivan again, but like 12 cars behind it. And still we're doing 25 miles an hour, right? Yeah. So then we go all the way down that road, and uh, I told you, and a bunch of people are all turning left. They're obviously all going home, and they live off of Dewey Street or one of the side streets off of Dewey Street. So I find myself to the point where I, I'm now three cars behind this uh, this red minivan. And uh, when you get down the road and you make a right onto old Westfield Road, I see the minivan go straight. And I'm like, oh, okay, thank God he's gone. I don't have to worry about this anymore. So I make the right onto old Westfield Road and then go under the railroad tracks. And I'm now the second car behind this Land Rover that's also looking to make a right onto Route 20. And the guy had three openings large enough to taxi a jet through. And he still didn't move. And I'm beeping the horn after every car goes by, giving him a new opportunity to pull out, and he doesn't do it. Until finally, I see the red minivan coming through, and it's going in the same direction that we're going. That's a crazy and story. And now we're going to be stuck behind it again. I didn't realize that road, if you kept going straight, it would bring you back out to Route 20 as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like an intertwined. Uh, it's like it's all pipes. Yeah, yeah, it's all, right. pipes it's all interconnected. All, yeah. all tubes yeah. out there. Yeah, uh, you need a train horn on that bike. I, I, I know. I'll... Like you need. It doesn't. Ha- does it have a horn? Of course, it has a horn. Yeah, but how loud is uh, it? Though? It's it's pretty. You know, you can hear it. You does can it, hear it. Does the it sound the like... guy in the Land Rover heard it. Does it sound like? Excuse me, get out of my way. No, no. Yeah, it's got to be. It's no. got to be like Steve's right. It, it should sound like a yeah. like a Mack truck beeping its horn. The guy in the Land Rover heard it. So did the guy at CVS who got his prescription and took at least thirty seconds to pull away from the window. Why would he doing that? Just uh, to check up on his order? I, I guess so. He must have been doing that, putting his wallet back or something. I, for God's sakes, move at least a car length so the car behind you can get up to the window. So I beeped at him. He heard it. What a frustrating day this must it have been. It here. really was. This was all in one day. Hey, you just tooting your horn all over town. Yeah. Look at you. When <laughs> I have to. Me, me. Today I got to drive all the way out to Burlington, Mass. I can't imagine the kind of nightmares I'm going to have with that. You yeah. going to the coat factory? Yeah. What you never told us is, what were you doing in Westfield? Yeah, that's my business. <laughs> and that's your... Your Pioneer Valley forecast is brought to you by a Fogbuster Nitro Cold Brew Coffee. Going to be uh, mostly sunny today with some chances of some thunderstorms throughout the day. High of 85. Tomorrow, uh, more rain and thunderstorms. High of 76 at 73 right now in downtown Springfield. Next time you're at the beverage cooler, 
Look for the black and white can. It's a Fogbuster Nitro Cold Brew Coffee. It's velvety smooth and never bitter because Fogbuster is air roasted. And that's your Fogbuster forecast and the news on Rock 102. Ah, oh, yeah. Tanglewood and the Clark Art Institute. Mount